my name is Anastasia Dysok and I am joined by Professor Rosalie Viney. Rosalie is the Director of the Centre for Health Economics Research and Evaluation at the University of Technology, Sydney. What does it mean for a drug such as Spinraza to be added and what are the implications of this? Okay, so this is, um, Spinraza is one of a number of drugs that were announced as being added to the pharmaceutical benefits scheme in last night's budget. And it's a drug for spinal muscular atrophy for small children, and it's over a number of different types. Um, I guess what it really means is access to that drug for people who otherwise would not have it. And that's something that's really important to remember about the pharmaceutical benefits scheme, that the objective of it is to give access to effective and cost-effective medicines for the general population. That particular drug has been talked about quite a bit in the news lately. It would have cost thousands of dollars a month for people to access for their children. Um, And so people were faced with choices of either, you know, doing things like mortgaging their house or just not having access to the drug and watching their children get less well over time. Now, with it being added to the PBS, it will cost $39.50 a month for a general population consumer um, and even less if they're on a concession card. So that's a huge difference um, in terms of affordability of medicines and affordability of access to healthcare. Now, a drug like that is for a relatively rare disease, so yeah. it's for a small number of families, but for those particular ones, it um, it would be a huge access. There are also other drugs that have been listed that would be for diseases that are more common, but the same thing is true. So do you actually agree with the drugs that have been added to the PBS in this budget? And can you potentially give us maybe a little bit of an insight to the process of how those drugs have been chosen to be included on the PBS. Okay, so I'll answer that by saying I can't give you an answer about any specific drug, do I agree with it or not. What I can do is say that there is a process through which those drugs have been considered and evaluated that means that if a positive recommendation has been made and it's been accepted by the government um, and built into the budget, that that means that there is good evidence to support the fact that that drug is both effective and cost-effective. There's a rigorous process that's undergone whereby the sponsor of the drug has to submit um, a request for funding that's basically a package of evidence that's then evaluated by epidemiologists, by medical practitioners, by um, economists to look at What's the nature of the evidence to support? Does this drug actually work? Does it do what it says? And does it do it at a price that's reasonable? Now, that price that's reasonable is a bit of an elastic question um, in terms of what we mean. So the question that the Pharmaceutical Benefits Advisory Committee is asking is, does this represent value for money? But we wouldn't say that value for money is always one number. Mm -hmm. Uh, For a disease that's very rare, uh, for a disease where there are maybe no other options for treatment, Mm -hmm. um, that committee may feel that it's reasonable to pay more for those new drugs to the sponsor than for others. There are a number of factors in there. I guess what you don't want in a process like the pharmaceutical benefits scheme is that we say we will pay a certain amount for a health outcome. So the health outcome that's used here is what's called a quality adjusted life year. So that's a gain in health measured in terms of survival, additional survival or additional quality of life. If we said, and there are numbers around this, so if we said, say, we will pay for any drug that meets 
um, a criterion of $50,000 per quality adjusted life year, we could guarantee that everything would come in at $49,999 per quality adjusted life year. And actually, that probably doesn't reflect what the population thinks, because as I said, for rare diseases and for diseases where there are no other treatment options, where if you don't get this new drug, you would die, we might say, actually, we're willing to pay a lot more. But for a more common disease, where there are a lot of treatment options, we might say, we're not willing to pay that kind of level. So that's why it may sound as though it's subjective, but I'm saying that there are a number of factors that are taken into consideration. The first of those factors is the question of, is this drug effective? Does it work? Does it provide additional health benefits? And we saw in this budget there was an additional $1.4 billion in listings and a billion dollars for the reintroduction of indexation for certain items on the MBS. Do you think that there's enough being done by the federal government in regards to the PBS? I think over the last few years, a lot has been done. So it's it's quite useful to break that additional $1.4 billion down. So there's additional spending on new drugs, but there's also savings that are being um, garnered that are helping to fund those new drugs. So the net expenditure over the next year, I think, is about $0.7 billion rather than the $1.4 billion because some of that new money is being funded by savings by increasing access and trying to encourage greater use of generic medicines and biosimilars. And the value that that has is that those are medicines that are off patent and so the prices of them come down and the government has put in place a number of measures that over time, not just in this budget, over time measures that mean that the government benefits from those savings from reduction in prices of generic medicines. In the past, there were those savings, but they're actually going mainly to the wholesalers and pharmacists. Mm-hmm. And now they're actually coming back to the government, which means they come back to consumers. Just one final question today. I think we may have already touched on this a little bit. Are there any other measures that you would like to see just in around the PBS in general in the future, long-term goals for the PBS? So I guess... For our government, and it comes back to that question about getting the savings from Mm. um, medicines that are off patent. So we have one approach to it, which is that um, essentially the companies that are selling those drugs are required to reveal the true price at which they're selling them to the wholesalers and ultimately to pharmacists, and that feeds into future prices. So those savings happen over time, not straight away. Some other countries take a tougher approach to it and they essentially would do what's effectively competitive tendering. So for something like a statin or a blood pressure drug, they might say, okay, we're going to have just one of those and we're going to call for tenders and say, this is it. What that does, I guess, is it trades off the question of choice for consumers and for um, uh, doctors about what they prescribe compared with savings. But it does mean that in some other countries, they pay a lot less for those generic drugs that are well off patent, so you know, sort of more common and garden drugs. And that, again, is savings that could be translated into funding new medicines. Mm-hmm.